So this week we have Art Sobchak talking about prospecting and in particular smart calling, using the telephone to make appointments and to make money. This is not a podcast to just get you motivated and inspired. This podcast comes with the sole purpose to discuss strategies that we can all implement into our business right now that can increase how much money we earn. We'll hear from successful business people about marketing, sales, recruitment, training and mindset. The key principles to grow a business, make it recession-proof and thrive in today's business world. Okay, Art, thank you very much for joining us on Weekly Business Talk. Now, let me just uh, very quickly summarise the the listener base that we have here. So we are normally uh, small and medium-sized business owners that really just want to, uh, that not only is their professional career and how they make money and make a living uh, are surrounded by their business, but they've also got a, just a keen passion to learn more, develop, grow their business. It is a real big part of their life. And all we really want to discuss is how do we improve that business? How do we develop ourselves? And so when I read Smart Calling, I was compelled to reach out, as I said to you before we started here, and uh, and, and chat about it in a bit more detail. So thank you for joining us. Um but yes, tell me a little bit about art and a little bit about uh, where it started and, and where you are now and how you've actually got to, to where you are right now. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, the, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here with you and also with your with your listeners. Boy, how much time do you have? Because I can go way back. I, I actually started in, in sales when, well, everybody started in sales when they're born, right? Because everybody's a born salesperson. But my first actual paid job was when I was 13 years old. And I would take a bus into downtown Omaha, Nebraska in the States. And I was selling tickets to the policeman's fundraiser circus. And uh, we were calling people out of a phone book. And um, so for many of your younger listeners, I might have to explain what that is. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a directory of phone numbers. And, uh, and in retrospect, it might have been a scam because I'm not even sure if there was a circus. But we were calling people. And, and I realized at a very young age, I could, I could sit in a room, talk on the phone, and uh, do well and generate revenue. And things progressed. I'm going to fast forward. My first job out of college was with the old AT&T here in the States, which was the only phone company at the time. And uh, I was in a division where we were actually consulting with smaller, actually all size businesses and how they could use the phone more effectively in their own business. And in the meantime, what we were doing, of course, is selling the phone company services because at the time, the only way for them to sell more was to get people to use it more. So we were doing it through a consultative application. And as a result of that, I saw a big, big need for that and I always wanted to do my own deal. So I left, started a company with a partner. Uh, partner left after a year, evolved more into a training company. And one concept that I had always been teaching in, in prospecting is let's know something about the people we call before we call them so that we can tailor and personalize and customize our message so it doesn't seem like that typical cold call that everybody really hates to get and most people hate to place because many of them just go down in flames 
right at the beginning. And especially today where people are inundated with so much noise and so many messages of all types, email, uh, voicemail, uh, just advertising, pop-up ads, everywhere you look, we're being hit with messages. And and what what's happened, I've, I've coined this term not too long ago, most people have become professional ignorers. We, we have to ignore most messages that, that we're hit with. So as a result of that, smart calling is as popular as, as ever. And uh, essentially smart calling, again, is just knowing something about the people that, that we're calling before we call them so that we can have a relevant message right at the beginning that people are going to lean in and pay attention to. Great. So, and that I was going to just come on to that. So, the cold call, which a lot of people uh, quite quickly uh, have coined as uh, cold calling is now dead. And of course, I'm I'm not so sure on that, but it absolutely does make sense uh, to me that smart calling uh, is is the way forward or has been for some time. I mean, it's nothing new, of course. But what effectively uh, that you've done a lot of work on art is that know your audience or know the person you're phoning. Uh, and how you're going to approach it and what your offer is. And I suppose if you do that as well, you can even consider what their objections may be. You, you know, you could already have that already thought out, couldn't you really, if you know if you know who they are and, and, and kind of what their problems are? Well, you should, actually. And let's go back to what you said before. Let me just touch on this. If, if you could go on LinkedIn and if you really want to start a, a huge thread of conversation, just put up the question, is cold calling dead? And all of a sudden you're going to have people jumping in on both sides. It's kind of like a political discussion. And, and my stance on that is the cold is dead, but the calling is not. And yes. there's absolutely no reason to place a cold call, which I define as not knowing anything about the person you're calling and then giving them a generic pitch. So everybody gets the same pitch. And uh, many times that, that pitch is off target because again, we just don't know anything about the person that we're calling. So let, let me answer your the latter part of that, which is being prepared for objections. And most certainly, anybody selling anything, we should be prepared for how we're going to respond when, when we get an objection. Now, there's a difference between an objection, which is real, which is a reason why somebody isn't going to do business with you. Typically, a real objection is going to come after we've had some kind of substantive conversation about my offer. So whatever it is that you're selling, we're, I've asked some questions, I made the recommendation, and then they say something like, well, you know, it's, it's just not going to fit with our environment or, or the price is too high, which is pretty common. Okay, those are real objections. Now, let's contrast that with what happens at the beginning many times of a prospecting call, which is after you go through your opening, somebody may say, uh, we're all set, we're good, I'm not interested. Now, that's not a real objection because they're really not objecting to anything substantive yet, right? So I call that a resistant reflex response. It's just like if somebody threw something at your head, you'd flinch, and that's just a reflex. Somebody gets a phone call from somebody they don't know. They hear what they think is a pitch or a salesperson. They're going to say, hey, I'm all good, and those work because most salespeople just they give yeah. up on that. So let me just ask, uh, Art, what did you say that was a resistant reflex response? Right. Resistant reason. The triple R, which is, I mean, God, uh, if I had just a pound for every time I've experienced that, then absolutely be much, much richer than I currently am uh, because yeah. it is a very common uh, sort of thing to experience, isn't it? When so you phone up 
and you just get to the first part of introducing yourself and of course the person miraculously has that all taken care of right now and you know what I've actually done it myself when I get cold calls um, so what you're saying was is that um, that is not an objection that is a resistant reflex response exactly and should should we talk about how we should deal with that oh without a doubt because that to me is like is probably uh, the, the trickiest part is just getting through that initial barrier isn't it yeah, and the way we should react to this is is like a uh, Mexican beach vendor. Uh, let, let me explain that. I, I go down to, to Cabo San Lucas a couple times a year. And if you go down to the beach down there, you have these beach vendors that are selling the trinkets and the blankets and the sunglasses and all that stuff. So they'll walk by and they'll say, Senor, sunglasses? And always the first response is, no, 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 I'm good. No gracias. And they react like this. They'll say, oh, almost free for you today, senor. Or they'll say, oh, these will look good on you. So notice what they're doing is they're, they're completely ignoring what you just said because that was not a real objection. That was just a response that we give when we think we're going to be sold. And if they gave up with the first no, they would not eat, okay? And it, it's also the way most kids react to getting an initial no. So, for example, uh, Daddy, can I, can I have some candy? No. Oh, but I really want some. No. Well, how about just maybe one piece? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I've, got, I've got three kids, so I know exactly what that's like. And, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, they, they, they are very unforgiving that we are. They're, they're relentless. So you're actually saying of the similar thing. It's just, you know, you have to initially just ignore and, and push beyond that initial, well, uh, sort of response. Here, here's how we do it in, in practice on the phone. So let's say I, I call somebody up and I, uh, so I'm selling my, my training services. So, so I'm, I'm a speaker, author, trainer. Uh, what I do is keynote speeches and also on-site training for companies. So I'll call up a VP of sales. Let's say I give a pretty good opening statement, which I normally would. And he, maybe I've caught him at a bad time, busy, maybe expecting another call. And first thing out of his mouth is, oh, we're all set on training. Now, at this point, instead of saying, oh, well, I understand how you feel. Many others have felt the same way, coming back with some goofy objection rebuttal, which, by the way, those don't work. I'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to do uh, my process has two parts to it. One is we're going to just simply soften them. We're going to soften them with some innocuous statement like, uh, hey, not a problem. I understand. That's OK. All right. So notice I really haven't. I, I haven't argued with him. I've just said, hey, not a problem. And then my next thing is, uh, by the way, where were you born? Are you asking me this one? Yeah, yeah, where yeah. were you born? Okay, I'll play one. Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow, okay, good. Yeah. Now, see what I did right there? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I asked you a question that you weren't expecting, and you answered the question because we're conditioned to answer questions, right? Yeah, and so is that you just, you're just wanting to break that pattern of no, I'm not interested to something, um, which is somebody taught me that a long time ago when we were at the, the point of negotiation and people were saying no, 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 as to just one of those strange, uh, what seems a little bit of an unusual question just to break that pattern. So is that effectively what you're doing there? 
Yeah. So what that was, and you use the term break the pattern and, and that's called a pattern interrupt. So, so what I'm doing again, let me go back. So, uh, Hey, not a problem. That's okay. And in my case, I'm selling sales training. I would say, so I understand your, your, your salespeople are making a lot of calls. Uh, tell me about that. Or, uh, so w- what do you do in situations where your, your, your salespeople are not hitting quota every month with their new business? So, so now what I'm doing is I'm asking you a question that's getting you off of uh, I'm good, I'm okay, to now I'm, the, the mind is trained to answer a question that is posed to us. Yes. Now, does this, does this work 100% of the time? No, nothing works 100% of the time, but it works more often than not. And the other thing about this is where do we have them now? We have them in a conversation. What is the purpose of the opening of a, of a prospecting call? To get them into a conversation and get them answering questions. Now, the other objective of, of a great opening is to put them in a positive, receptive state of mind. I may not have them there yet, so it's not the optimal setting, but through questions, hopefully I'm going to move them more into that state of mind. So, again, there, there's a long answer to a, to a short question that, that you didn't even ask about. <laughs> <laughs> But well, can you, I can yeah. ask you something you did mention though, which is very relevant, is that you you, you briefly went on to explain instead of the usual I understand how you feel, we had other customers that I felt the whole feel felt found. Now I quite um, clearly remember being taught that response. Uh, what we're saying here nowadays is that these old-fashioned, old um, sort of sales techniques, if, if you might want, they're not as effective on the majority of population nowadays, or are they even that effective? I don't know. I mean, what's your opinion on them? They'll feel felt found and things of that nature. Well, I'm not even sure if they were all that effective even even back in the day. Because even when I was young, I started my business 35 years ago, and I always questioned everything that that I read and and heard. And a, a lot of it, even back then, to me seemed silly, such as some of these objection rebuttals. Uh, again, when I did consumer telemarketing in my in my teens, we actually had these paper things. There used to be things, these things called photo albums, which were little, little plastic see-through sleeves that you would put photos in. And what telemarketing companies would do is you would take objections and you would have typed out objection rebuttals. And at the bottom of each, it would say, your price is too high. Don't need it right now. You're supposed to flip to the page and then just read that. Because if you did, they would magically change their mind and say, oh, okay, when you put it that way, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Because essentially, here's what objection rebuttals do. They tell somebody they're wrong. And if you tell somebody they're wrong, they always change their mind, right? <laughs> you're probably married, right? Does that work? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm as good as married, and you're right. Uh, that's not a good idea. Let's put it that way. So now the, the, the fact is we're still going to come up, we're still going to encounter objections. Now, uh, an objection means that there's something that somebody is not agreeing with. So we got to find out what that is. Now, when we hear an objection, we're not hearing the problem. We're hearing the symptom of the problem. And where objection rebuttals fail is that it might be a good response, but it might not be dealing with the real problem. Yeah. And I mean, for example, if you go to the doctor and say, oh, doc, I've got this splitting headache. And the doctor said, oh, splitting headache. Well, I think we should do brain surgery tomorrow morning. Mm. Uh, 
that might be a solution to one headache problem, but probably not yours. So then what, what should we do? Well, as salespeople, and this goes way back to your original question about should we, we be prepared for objections? Well, here's what we should be prepared for. All of the possible objections that we're normally going to run into, and then the questions we're going to ask in order to first find out why did they just say that? And then what additional questions am I going to ask to get them thinking that, well, maybe there's another way here. Because in order for somebody to change their mind, excuse me, we have to go through a process first where we first doubt our belief. Because if I just tell you you're wrong, you're, you're, you're probably going to strengthen your defense of that stance, right? But in order for you to change your opinion, you first have to go through this process where you think, well, okay, maybe there's another way to look at it. So for example, let, let's take a real objection that you encounter in your business or the company that you work with. What, what is a real ob ob objection that, that somebody Gives you. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, well, I suppose that we do get the initial one, which is so one of the biggest products that we sell at the, the business that I'm heavily involved in is uh, will writing. And so what you might have an attorney in the, in the USA, you have an attorney that will do sort of later life planning. Uh, and they'll sort out wills, and I believe you will call it a well, we call it a power of attorney. Does that is that what they call it over in the states? A power of attorney, whether if, if I lost capacity, uh, but oh, I'm still alive. Yeah, like a power of attorney. Do you have them uh, in the states? Got it. Okay. Right. Sure. And and people okay. are a little bit. One of the common ones that we get is that I've got it. I'm not interested, but but they don't. But the ones that admit to not having one, what they normally say is that I don't need one right now. That's not for, I might do it in the future. That's quite a common objection that we will get in our business. I'll do it at some point in the future when I get older, when I get nearer that time as if they know uh, when they're going to have an accident of sorts, but they'll deal with it in the future. Okay, so here is the process that I always suggest salespeople or anybody has to walk through in advance because you just don't come up with this stuff off the top of your head if you, if you don't already know it, okay? So we go through this process in, in workshops. So the first step is we list out the objection. And in your case is, uh, I, I, I don't need it right now, I'll do it in the future, okay? Yes. So, so that is what you hear, that is the symptom. Okay, so now what we want to do is we want to brainstorm and you can do this on a whiteboard or just on a paper uh, and, and think about what are all the possible reasons why somebody says that. Okay, okay. So, so what are a couple reasons why somebody may say that? Well, what we kind of train our people on is, is that they're probably just scared initially to divulge what they do or don't have and it's just that initial try and put off. Um, maybe they're concerned about what the cost may be, so therefore it's a it's an easy put off to say, no, nope, I've maybe looked at the future, but actually they're thinking, oh, these things may, might be expensive. Uh, we'll just say that it's an easy an easy way to get rid of them. Uh, they're probably the most two common ones that I think. Okay, so now what we want to do, so once you have these listed out, is that we we want to find out which of those reasons might be theirs. Because if they just say, I'll do it in the future, we really can't deal with that accurately because we're not sure why they said it, right? Yes. So now our goal becomes, I got to find out the why. 
And so then we start listing out what are all the possible questions I might initially ask to get them talking about their why. And, and I'm not into the process yet, but the process would be similar to the resistant reflex response right at the beginning where I would just soften and say, hey, okay, not a problem. Or, you know, I hear that quite a bit. And I would probably use that in, in this situation. You know what? I hear that quite a bit. So that might put somebody at ease. And then uh, as an initial first question there, I might just ask an open-ended question and say, just kind of curious, how familiar are you with, with the power of attorney? Yes. Okay. And and now, depending on how they answer. So then what we do in workshops is that we say, okay, what are all the possible answers to that? Well, normally it's, well, I'm, I'm really not. Okay, so now that's going to take me down another line of questioning. Uh, if they say, uh, well, I'm very familiar. So then I'm just going to react to that and say, oh, how so? Because I want to find out, are they actually familiar with it? Or are they kind of confused? Or do they have some misinformation about it? And then, as you can see here, this is kind of like a computer programmer flowchart. Based on their answers, I'm going to ask more questions. And what I'm trying to do with these questions is get them thinking that, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe it's probably not a good idea to wait that long. And maybe I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? Not to you know, make light of this, but <laughs> I mean, that's what you really want to tell people, that, right? But yeah, we, can't, course, yeah. we can't tell them that in so many words, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so then what you do once I have all this, so now I've got like, I want to do this for my four or five objections. And so now when I get the objection, very conversationally, I can just go into the questions. And so, so it's always amusing to me when somebody will call me up and say, well, what's an easy way to answer this objection? And I think, oh my gosh, there's, there's no easy button here, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what we're saying first and foremost, when someone is, regardless of their business, and although the, the, the question I proposed to you was directly for business to consumer, but what you're saying is that when, when we need to make that initial call, go through that process, that, that sort of uh, training method there, and that'll get you much better prepared before making your calls. Yes, ab absolutely. And let me touch on, on the overriding, very important point here. One of the reasons that I would say most people are, are scared to death of picking up the phone and talking to somebody that they don't know is that, that they're afraid of what may happen. And that also is a result of they're not quite confident or sure of what they're going to say on the call. So common sense says that if we can be pretty much prepared for most scenarios that we're going to run into, then that helps our confidence. Now, of course, we're never going to be totally prepared for everything that people are going to throw at us because every call is a learning experience. And the only way you get better at this is by doing it. It's like any performance activity, right? But the very best salespeople are not surprised when they hear any of the more common objections that they're going to get in their business. Okay, that's fine. And so after I've done some of my preparation work, and not that I want to give away your course in its entirety, of course, uh, but after I've prepared and I've thought out about what the, the sort of re the real why is in terms of the resistance, what would be your next sort of process uh, for people to start considering? Uh, uh, you know, what, is there... Is there yeah, is it the script? I mean, is the scripts come into it or is it talking about responses and more detail to objections? What is the next stage after I've established or thought about the whys? 
Well, yeah, actually, the, the part we talked about here even comes later in, in the whole process. And, and, and prospecting really is a process. And, and when I do training, and we do this in, in the book as well, we always start out with, who am I talking to? Because you always need to start with your, your audience. And we want to define all the different levels that, that we're, we're speaking with. So in a business-to-business environment, uh, let, let's take we're calling into a, a, a mid-sized business. So maybe my decision maker might be a director of marketing. And then there also might be other people that may be involved in the decision-making process based on what I know about, again, my type of product and type of companies that I'm selling into. So I may know that there's a, uh, let's say, advertising director, or there may be a marketing assistant, there may be some people who are actually implementing and they're hands-on with my type of product or service. And again, I'm keeping this fairly generic. So now what I'm doing is I'm going through a process where I'm asking questions, uh, and again, I'm doing this in, in preparation. I'm asking questions about each of these levels. So I'm asking, as it relates to my type of product or service, what does this type of person at their level typically want? What do they want to avoid? And you can see here, we're just getting basic psychology involved because people do things for two main reasons, to, to get something or avoid some type of displeasure or pain. And now I'm putting it in terms of my product or service because nobody buys your thing. Okay, nobody buys your thing, they only buy your result. So we wanna be thinking in terms of the result. Also, what I'm thinking about is how does my product or service or me, or how can I affect them personally in their job? So what are they most interested in? Because a VP of sales is going to have different needs than the person who is actually implementing a, a, a process or a product or service. They're, they're more on the front lines. And it, it's all about understanding, again, human nature. And what do these people want? Because I'm going to talk differently to these folks. I'm going to ask them different questions. So then based on that, I'm going to approach each of these people a little bit differently. Uh, so I have to define what I call my possible value proposition. Some people call it an elevator speech or a value prop. I call it possible because I can surmise or hypothesize what somebody might be interested in. Uh, and, and I could probably be fairly accurate, but I never know for sure until I speak with them because value is fleeting. I may be interested in something today because I have some kind of trigger event or need for it, but I may not be interested three weeks from now or I may not have been interested three weeks ago. So that's why I call it possible value proposition. And, once, and, and, and these are just very simple sentences. For example, we specialize in working with financial advisors helping them to, and then you fill in your results statement, okay? Whatever, whatever it is we help them get. So, so now I have all these possible value propositions that I can use to plug into opening statements and voicemail messages. Now, I'm really just kind of giving you the, the, the 10,000 view of this, but, but this, is, this is the process. Then based on that, I'm going to figure out my messaging. So my messaging, I'm going to use in, in voicemail messages. I'm going to use it in, in my opening statement, the first 10 seconds where most calls actually go to die. Um, I'm going to use these value prop, possible value propositions in, in email messages as well. And so this is all the first part of the process because really the goal at the beginning of a call or, or any type of uh, outreach is to get somebody curious move them into a positive, receptive state of mind, 
and get them talking. So that's what I'm trying to do with, with my opening. And then what I'm doing is I want to go into questions. And, and this is something that I need to be prepared with as well. And actually, let me back way up. Before I even place the call, I have to set my objectives. What do I want this person to do as a result of this call? Many people want to set up a meeting. Okay. Some people want to set up a web demo. Some people want to take the call as far as possible, which is always my suggestion because if the music is still playing, don't leave the dance floor. I've got somebody that's interested. So many times people want to place a call so they can set up another call. I mean, the, one of the hardest things in the world is get somebody on the mm -hmm. phone. Yeah. So if I have them on the phone, let, let, let's keep them on the phone. So I'm, I'm, I'm setting a primary objective and uh, I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But what, what I always tell people, and it's in the title of my book, how to eliminate the fear, failure, and rejection from cold calling. So people say, how can you get rid of rejection? Well, here's how. Rejection is totally how you define what happens to you. It's not the experience itself. I mean, I, I could take two people, both got to know. One is absolutely devastated by it. The other person says, well, you know what? I at least got agreement that I can keep them on my mailing list and that I can call them again in six months. So I accomplished something here. I got some type of win. And who was rejected? Well, obviously, it was the person that thought they were. They both got to know, but it's how you look at it. So what I always suggest for anybody doing any type of sales is that you have a secondary objective on every call, and it's something you can attempt at minimum. Okay, not even something you accomplish. It's just something because it's something you always control. Because if I can control it, I can define that as a win. And the reason that's important is that sales is probably one of the hardest things to do for most people because in what other profession do you go out there and play in heavy traffic all day long knowing that you're probably going to get nicked and maybe take one broadside occasionally yeah, <laughs> and, I, I, I very much can be that type of industry so just so i was clear on that one that um when you see when you're making your telephone calls and prospecting, you um, not only just have your main objective, but you then have a backup sort of plan that if they're not going to take, you know, I would imagine, but tell me if I'm wrong, Art, if you're phoning a VP of sales or marketing regarding one of your courses, would your primary objective to be actually making an appointment with them or to actually get an agreement that they'd be interested in your, your services? But if you can't, then agree to be on their mailing list and get sent some information in a you know in a newsletter or whatever it be. Is that what you were referring to there? Have your main objective and then also a backup plan? Yeah, exactly. And and actually, you may have several, and I do recommend several several backups. So I'm going to have an ultimate primary objective because because my goal every time, even though I'm I'm selling fairly high dollar engagements, is I I would like to make a sale or get agreement. For, for a sale on every single call. And, and here's the reason why. Uh, whenever I, I work with organizations, I always say, has anybody here ever made a sale on a first contact with a customer? And so you know, people's hands will go up and go, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've done that before, I've done that. I say, okay, well, we've established that it's possible, right? So if it's possible, why wouldn't you think big and make that an objective for every single call? Because the fact is, I mean, this is just not a cliche, but the, the higher you aim, the higher you're going to come in at on average. Okay. Now, knowing full well that that's not going to happen all the time, I'm going to have other steps below that that I'm going to try to shoot for if I don't reach that. Okay. So th those are all part of my primary objective, which I define as what do I want them to do 
at the end of this call. So for example, at the end of this call, I want them to agree to an appointment. I want them to agree to a proposal. I want them to agree that they're gonna buy from me. Okay, so again, depending on what you're, what you're selling. Now my secondary objective is, is more for me and for my attitude than anything else. And that's gonna be if, if none of these things happen, what can I at least attempt at minimum? So at least I want to ask them if we can keep the door open for a future contact. I at least want to ask them when their contract expires. Again, any of those things, yeah. because at the end of that call, I want to be able to say, well, at least I accomplished this, right? And the reason that's important is at the end of a long day, particularly with some of the numbers that I hear people putting up, instead of saying, I got rejected 60 times, can't wait to do it again tomorrow, said no one ever, right? <laughs> now I can say I accomplished my primary two or three times and hey, I accomplished my secondary the rest of the time. Yeah. Great yeah. day. So, yeah. so again, this is it's just a lot of psychology here. That, that The secondary objective is, is mostly self-talk because we have to do that. And let's face it, in a lot of professions out there, somebody in human resources can come in maybe a little bit hungover and not having a good day and still put out a passable work product. As salespeople, it's a little bit tougher for us to do that. It really I know, is. I've tried. No, no, <laughs> it really is. And, and, and I do want to come on to the sort of self-talk and motivation uh, aspect of it. But from what, the way you're dis describing it there, um, do you think that most people that are using the phone, yeah, most people, I would put into this category, that are using the phone or, or have to use the phone, uh, other well, yeah, because really, even if it's by email or they're leaving voicemails or LinkedIn messaging, there is the same the same philosophy applies, I suppose. But particularly with the phone, do you feel that people are just underprepared? You know, they don't treat it seriously enough, or they don't. Uh, you know, they're very good at their craft; they're great technicians, but they they think they can just pick the phone up randomly, speak to people, and sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. When in fact, they're just not thought about it enough and like you say it's underprepared i think you nailed it right there yeah. because if you if you take any type of performance which selling is a performance and it's even more difficult when we do it over the phone because we're lo losing half of our means of communication unless we're doing it by video like this right so that makes it even more difficult and and particularly today when uh, not to indict the younger generation, but many of them didn't grow up using the phone to speak on like, like, like my generation did. So, so therefore, if, if we're not used to something, we just can't jump into it and, and be an expert at it. I mean, I couldn't go out on the tennis court and all of a sudden become an amazing tennis player because I, I don't play tennis. And if I tried to do it, I, 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 would, I would fumble over myself. Now, could I become a, a good tennis player? Uh, probably if I learned and then worked at it. And the same thing is true with, with using the phone. So when somebody says to me, I'm not a salesperson or you know, I, could never, I could never prospect, basically what they're telling me is they're telling themselves stories about, uh, I'm, I'm either afraid of it, I don't have enough information about it, uh, or, or I don't want to do it. But I guarantee you, I, 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 mean, I, I show you examples. I've worked with people who absolutely and maybe many of the small business people who are watching right now have been in that situation because most of us have, even if they are a technician, you've been in a situation where I've got to go generate revenue or somebody doesn't get paid, right? Yeah, and many times yeah. it's the entrepreneur first that doesn't get paid, then, you know, then the other vendors get in line. 
So now they're in the situation where, what do I do? Well, go out get the information, learn the process, avoid the mistakes. And again, it's not just a matter of just winging it because there's a lot of bad information out there. Um, and, and then, and then practicing. And, and, and by the way, hey, no's are part of the game. We're going to get that. But the thing is, don't focus on what you can't control, okay? Somebody's reaction to what we're saying, we really can't control. We can influence it if we're doing the right things. But if I become devastated by something I can't control, it's going to be a, a pretty miserable existence. So what I want to focus on is what can, can, I, what can I control? My attitude and, my, and what I'm saying, my process. And, and the activity that I put in. And if you put in the activity, doing the right thing, you are going to get the results at the other end. Okay. And what I am interested in uh, about voicemails, you did briefly touch on it. Do you, do you always leave a voicemail? Yes. And, and here's why. If I have the opportunity to pique your curiosity with a message that is planned and well-crafted, why wouldn't I? Mm, right? Uh, you've got me. You've got me interested, though. Art, tell me, what would you say if you fought me up, maybe about one of your propositions? How, how would you? Try, how would you do that? So, give me one of your businesses and what 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 you're doing in your business, and then I'll tailor a message based on what I can do here in thirty seconds to that. Okay. Okay. So let's talk financial services people who are looking at their, well, what we call pension, but I believe you call a, a 401, um, but someone that was interested or, or you were hoping they were interested in, in doing some sort of investing, you know, financial advisor, that type of thing. Okay, so the, so I'm a financial advisor calling a potential client. Correct. Uh, would this be a commercial client or a, a consumer client? It could be either, I suppose. Um, you're a financial advisor phoning up someone as you want to, you know, you want to be their new financial advisor. Maybe they've got one already, but you feel that you can offer them a better service. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the smart calling process before I would do this because okay. you, you would never want to just cold call somebody. Yes. So what I want to do is as a financial advisor, I would assume that I'm an advisor that specializes in a particular area. So yep. I'm gonna make this up, okay? So yep. let's say I specialize in working with high net worth individuals. And more specifically, let's say I'm working with physicians, okay? And let's say that there's something about my practice that is unique because I know something or I've got a lot of experience in, in this area. Okay. And I've done some research on you. Maybe I saw a couple articles about you. So I know that you're this type of individual. Okay. So these are all the things I'd be doing if I was a financial advisor and, and, yeah. and I guarantee I'd be doing a lot more than this. So I would know something about that. All right. So let's say I just have that basic information. So as a, on a voicemail, I might say, Hey, uh, Dr. Smith, our subject here with uh, XYZ investments. Uh, I understand that you, and I might say something here that I know about them whether it be some kind of professional affiliation they belong to, maybe they were just in the news for something, maybe they just received some type of award, hey, congratulations. So, so there's some type of connection there. And that's almost kind of like a pattern interrupt because, I mean, who does that, right? Yeah. Most salespeople just go into a pitch. So now they're going, oh, okay. And I'll say, hey, real quick, purpose for the call is that I specialize in working with uh, high net worth individuals, particularly, um, 
uh, cardiac surgeons in, in helping to take advantage of some of the uh, tax advantages that are available to them here in the UK. And basically the purpose for my call is to ask you a couple questions to see if I could provide you some information uh, on how others have taken advantage of these. I will call you back on Thursday. If you'd like to reach me in the meantime, here's my number. I'll also shoot you over an email. Got you. Okay, then. So so you're not telling them, you're just saying you've got some information, you're going to phone them back um, on a specific day, but you just want to do enough to pique their interest, as you're saying. Absolutely. The purpose for that voicemail is this. Leave a question in their mind that they want the answer to. Okay, okay. And, and as, as we're talking here, Art, so there is a very specific reason I'm asking that, and I'm just trying to figure out how we could extract more information. One of the big parts of our business is that we deal with a lot of the business-to-consumer market in the legal and financial services space, which I explained to you. And um, and when we go to these events, so we, we will go to major events and capture all of these inquiries, these people that says, I am interested in that service, but we don't get enough time really to discuss what it is exactly they're interested or probably more importantly, why. So I'm just thinking how we could maybe improve that there, but that's very helpful. Uh, so anybody listening there, what we're saying is before you phone them, uh, or if you're going to leave a voicemail, start with something unique to them. Uh, like you say, if they maybe won an award or you've seen one of their articles uh, that they'd recently written, but comment on something away from just right into the sales pitch. Uh, so as you say, that kind of gets that pattern interrupt. And then lead on to uh, something inquisitive whereby it'll pique their interest and encourage them next time, either one, to phone you back or two, um, to, to answer your telephone call next time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great summary. And to, to further reemphasize, there's got to be that, again, the possible value proposition in there. And what, what I did in that example was I said, specialize in working with high net uh, physicians, helping them to take advantage of a unique, again, tax, tax loophole or advantage. Yes. So now that's the question that they want answered. So now they're wondering, oh, yeah. wonder what that is, because I'm not taking advantage of it. I wonder what that is. Yeah. So that's that's the hook. Okay. And notice, I didn't say I want to be your advisor. I want to sell you investments. It's that we, we want to make the decision as easy as possible and painless as possible and as non-threatening as possible to to speak with you. And that's why I say, hey, I'd like to ask you a few questions and, and provide you some information. Okay. And, and so how do we deal? I mean, that's that is. Um, I suppose nowadays you can get information on anyone, anywhere. Uh, but I'm thinking specifically the, the business-to-consumer market, whereby it used to be pick up the, the sort of phone book and you started at A and you just phoned all the way through. Um, although we're, we're absolutely not allowed to do that anymore. But when you don't have as much information on the person and it is business-to-consumer, maybe it's harder to find out information how how is that different? I mean, can you still apply the smart calling formula to those people, or or do you need to change tactic? Well, 
my specialty is in in business to business and and the book was written business to business with that being said i do have consumer callers who are using the approach as long as they're, they're taking the professional approach not the let's call 500 people and you see if we can get one that sticks okay so it can you do it yes is it more difficult absolutely can it be done it is being done Okay. Yes. And similar, similar to what I said, I, I, I'm going to uh, uncover, I'm going to turn over every rock to find information if I can, some type of commonality. Uh, of course, if I can get a referral from someone, all the much better. Uh, if I can do some type of marketing in advance to get somebody to raise their hand, like you said, you're doing um, all the much better. Uh, one thing I would suggest if, if people are filling our cards at a trade show, I'd at least maybe get them to check a box or something to even narrow down their interest. So I would have something to speak about when I, when I do call back. Um, but yeah, the, the, the approach can work. It's a little bit more difficult, but it, it can be done. And the thing is when it is done correctly, you are setting yourself apart from, from the people out there who are, and I'm not sure if, if it's happening as much, and, and I know we have the do not call list here as well, but there are people that are still, that are <laughs> violating that and still yeah. calling. And uh, most people hate to get the consumer call, but occasionally I will get one from somebody that has done some research and they do know something about me and I stop and say, oh, wait a minute, this is different than everything else. And, and that's the reaction that we're looking for. Great, okay. Right, so let me, because we, again, we did touch on it there, and I think one of the biggest part of people going on the phones and prospecting is lack of preparation, but probably closely second to that, I believe, would be the self-talk and the motivation aspect of it. You know, they just get defeated too early on. What are some of the suggestions for the people listening that, um, that will help them with with that element of it. We stay motivated uh, and 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 keep plumbing through, even when it's a bit tricky. Well, again, I, I have to reiterate. Probably the, the biggest thing would be on the micro level. Every single call, changing your definition of the outcome. Too often, people associate the no with the rejection. So, number one, stop that. Because if I tell myself that you're, I'm a horrible person, I'm going to start believing that, right? And that's essentially what happens if somebody says, oh, I got rejected again. So take rejection completely out of your language. Matter of fact, I, I always tell people, the only way you should ever feel rejected is if a family member or somebody that you love tells you that you're a horrible person, they're never going to see you again, you're just absolutely awful, okay? Is that ever going to happen? No. And and most things that people fear never, never happen anyway. So... We always work on what what possibly could you attempt on every single call that, that can help you get a win, okay? So we want to have that secondary objective on, on every single call. And then it becomes a matter of selling yourself on the fact that I'm going to get no's, but that's just part of the process. It's just something that didn't work. If anybody else in any profession had something that didn't work, they don't say I got rejected. Uh, an accountant spreadsheet didn't didn't come out the way they wanted. Oh man, I got rejected from that spreadsheet. I'm going to have spreadsheet resistance or, or avoidance now. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Yeah. So yeah. Th again, probably no other profession relies more on our own self talk than this one. That's why I'm so big on make sure that you get a win on every single call, 
And then what happens is it's more likely I'm going to place that next call from, from the right perspective. The other one is you really need to be sold on your, your why. Your why is why am I doing this? Why am I selling? Why am I picking up the phone? And that's going to be different for different people. For some people, it's because I want to provide the, this lifestyle for my family, or I want to make sure that I'm, I'm able to put money aside and, and build up uh, wealth as opposed to just living paycheck to paycheck. And, and I definitely can do that if, if, I'm on, if I'm on the phone. And then what you need to do is sell yourself on making that why so much bigger than any silly little fear of a no. Because if you, if you put it in perspective, you might say, I'm putting my fear of a, of, a, of a no from somebody that I don't even know above providing for my kid's livelihood. How yeah. absurd is that, right? And uh, again, some people might say, well, that, you know, that's kind of woo-woo talk. Well, no, it's actually, it's, it's reality. And I mean, I can tell you, I've, I've got people in my membership group that are, that are millionaires who started out, uh, one guy started out homeless, and he decided that this is how I'm going to have to build my business. And uh, even though he's a millionaire, he's still making prospecting calls every day and still has that why and still has that drive. And, and again, there's a lot of other things that we can do, but, but bottom line, a, what happens on a phone call is just a thing, okay? It's an experience. And the story we tell ourselves about that experience is really going to define our next action and our attitude about it. So it's very easy to change the story. So I got to know it didn't work. I kept the door open for a future contact. And one of my first sales managers many years ago said, you need to be like the barber. What does the barber say? Next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll literally just move on. I do find that art that the majority of, particularly maybe someone new into our industry when they're working in our, uh, our what we call our marketing associates, but when they're a marketing associate, the biggest fear for them is just picking up the phone and making the first phone call or making starting the process versus when they've maybe made half a dozen, they've had a few no's or they've not had the desired outcome. They're in the swingy things and they can they can keep going, but the, there is an immediate fear of actually picking up the phone in the first place. And as you said there, the best way, possibly the only way, but certainly the best way of overcoming that is to establish the why. Why are you actually doing this and to make it so compelling? Okay, Um one, one I was meaning to ask you, but we'll just get to, what about scripts? Do you believe in scripts? You know, and, and I'm I'm looking at this art from, I'm thinking people listening in, they maybe they've got, or they've got a desire to maybe employ some people on the phone to maybe generate appointments for them. Um, and they're thinking, I'll give them a script and they'll follow the script and we should get the appointments at the other end. Do you believe in them? Uh, what, what's your thoughts on them? Sure. So first, let's let's define what a what a script is in a professional way. Most people who are not doing this every day 
and who have received bad phone calls are going to react negatively to a script because their experience with the script is somebody calls them up, they're reading from a script very poorly, and it's probably a very poorly written script. And nobody wants that, right? Nobody likes to be read to except for kids. So what we wanted to do is define, well, well what, what is a good script? Well, we want to work from a script the way an actor works from a script. Because if you really define what a great script is, it's the well-planned out combination of words to use in a certain situation that's going to elicit the audience response that we want. That's what a great script is. And in sales, we absolutely should be prepared for what we're going to say in situations where we can be totally prepared for what we're going to say. And those situations are voicemail, and the first 10 seconds of a phone call. Because most people are still gonna answer the phone with some variation of hello, right? So I, I can know exactly what I'm gonna say in that situation based on my preparation and based on my experience and my continual tweaking of, of that opening. When people try to wing it, what they're doing is they're turning in a rough draft. And a rough draft of anything is never going to be as good as the second, third, or fourth iteration of it, right? Particularly if I'm able to prepare. Now, here's the key with being prepared with what you're going to say. You need to be able to deliver it like it's the first time you ever said it, like an actor delivers his or her lines. And if that, if that means going through it 100 times, so be it. And I've had people have to do that till they were comfortable with it. And... I mean, I could say something to you that I've said a hundred times and you would never know that it was the, that I had it prepared. We were just having a conversation and that's where the, the practice comes into play. Now, can we script out the entire call? No, because everything we're going to say after the opening really depends on the give and take, right? Now, with that being said, I can still be prepared for what I'm going to say in, in different situations. So go back to the objection exercise example we talked about earlier. So as I'm going through this, I'm preparing questions and then I'm thinking about what are their possible responses. So it's kind of like an attorney who's preparing for a trial thinking, okay, I'm going to ask this question. I already need to know the answer so I can ask the next question. So we're, we're doing that in a sense. So even though every call should sound like the first time you ever said something the opening the voicemail should totally be scripted out answers to questions should be prepared so you can use scripted and prepared interchangeably yeah yeah i think probably that's the key part there's a there is probably a difference between a script um and being prepared and how you present something isn't there really uh, but yes, okay, I mean, that, that is a perfect answer that I'm looking for. We should almost look at it as a flow chart in that way that there is a script to introduce yourself as such, but then depending on how uh, the client responds uh, positively or not, we should then divert to uh, a prepared response that we know inside out, back to front. It uh, makes a lot of sense there. Uh, well, okay, Art, well, while we're on that subject then for um, the highlight points, um, what would you suggest then if you were going to give maybe three to five things for the audience to really hone in on you, things that they should really practice at if they're going to have any level of success on the phones? Well, boy, how, how do I narrow it down to this? No, number one should be always make it about the other person, 
Okay, that that is the that's the overarching theme that you should have for sales or or even life in general, if you think about it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Because as Zig Ziglar says, you can get whatever you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want, and that's absolutely true. So I should go into any sales or even marketing situation and think, who who is my audience? What do they want or what do they want to avoid and, and how can I help them with that? And then that's going to drive everything else that, that you do. Okay. Then in addition to that, you want to make sure that you are prepared with your process and prospecting is not a phone call. It's not a, a technique. It's not a trick. It's not one thing about how do I get past the screener? It truly is a process. Now, I'm not trying to make this difficult because it really isn't difficult. Uh, it does it does require work, just like anything worthwhile. So be prepared to follow a process and, and put in the work. Uh, getting a little bit more tactical here, when you are in a sales situation, let's say I got somebody interested, if somebody says, okay, uh, what do you have? What you don't wanna do at this point is go into a pitch. What you do want to do is ask questions. Hey, I'll be happy to tell you um, so I can give you the best recommendation for your situation. Let me ask a few questions. Uh, okay, good. What, what's your best price? Hey, well, you probably want the best price. So in order for me to do that, let me let me ask you a few questions about what would be the best fit for you. Okay, so I want to I want to get information before I give it. And that should be a cardinal rule of prospecting or, or sales in general. Uh, another tip is going back to what we said before, just to reemphasize, nobody can reject you without your consent. Okay. Only, only we could allow ourselves to feel rejected based on the way we, we react to a situation. So remember any situation, whether it be on the phone or life in general is just a thing. Okay. It's just a thing that happened and we can attach all different kinds of stories to it. So somebody cuts us off in traffic, somebody can start cussing and yelling and have road rage. The other person could say, Oh, they must be in a hurry and just keep driving. Right? So only you can allow yourself to, to feel rejected. And then the other thing is always remind yourself of your why, because when you remind yourself of your why, anything that happens to you is not going to matter. And then that's going to drive your activity because all activity has to start with our thoughts. And once you have those thoughts, well-defined, then the activity kind of falls into place. And when we're following the process and doing the other things, we're going to get the results because again, we control our attitude, our activity, and the level of activity that, that we put in. So you do those things, you're going to get some pleasing results. Fantastic. Yeah. Remembering your why, that is absolutely a critical one. Well, uh, thank you so much on that and for sharing uh, a whole load of information there. Let us know where can we find out more about you, uh, your books, where, you know, are you online, whereabouts online, your seminars and courses? Tell me a lot, but where can we reach out to you if you want more? All right. I'm all over the place. One of the central places people can reach me is our main blog site, which is simply smartcalling.com, smartcalling.com. You can, you can get the book there. And actually, I think that, that links to the Amazon US site, but you can, you can go to Amazon uh, UK and get it there as well. I've got a free ebook of 501 telephone sales tips that you can get right there at the Smart Calling site. Plus, there's hundreds of other articles. And I uh, also have a podcast called The Art of Sales. 
sales.com, theartofsales.com. And uh, that's fun. That's absolutely free. And we have a Facebook community. It's called the Smart Calling Facebook community, absolutely free. And uh, I'm there every day interacting. A lot of been up for over a year, so there's a lot of training there, a lot of interaction as well. So uh, look forward to interacting with your audience. Fantastic. And you mentioned that you've also got a, a membership-type program for those that are serious about it. Where could someone find out more information about that? What they can do there is uh, go to go to my smart calling site, get on the list. We only open that up a few times a year. So uh, once you get on the list, you'll be notified once that, that does open up. Or you can just drop me an email at, uh, at artss, A-R-T-S, at businessbyphone.com. Fantastic. All right. That was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for, for sharing that information. And we'll speak soon. Thank you so much. Let's do it again. Great. Well, there we have it. Art Sobchak, done and dusted, talking about the hints, the tips, the, the, the things that we can do to make our telephone game spot on. Uh, some of the tips, and, and I've, I mean, I've never, some of those things I've never actually thought about and helped answer, um, in his opinion, some of the old-fashioned sales techniques and kind of you know, talk about fuel felt found and, and how your self-talk is a huge part to play. So it was a fascinating interview and I hope he's all got a lot of value from it and found it interesting. He, here is just my take on a few different parts of it. So he spoke about um, five things at the end there that really you need to be concentrating on. I just want to talk about self-talk. Self-talk and motivation and staying disciplined to what you're doing is a big, big part of things. In fact, it it arguably is the most critical part of the whole process in anything that you do. I mean, I even believe that a slightly underprepared, uh, slightly uh, lesser skilled person with the very best attitude will produce better results than someone who is an expert. Uh, well, not maybe the expert would suggest that they are of a very high and, and quality of mindset person, but someone that's got knowledge someone that has maybe got more uh, inquiries that they need to phone, uh, but with a, a not the best self-talker or best attitude, you know, the, the, I would much rather have the, 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 the sort of right mindset person within my team, and I would rather be that person. Less knowledge, less prospects, um, but have the absolute spot-on mindset, and this is where you need to really ask yourself is, do you have that? You know, are you getting defeated? Do you look at prospecting as a bad thing? In fact, you don't like doing prospecting by the telephone. I love prospecting by the telephone, by the way. I think it's essential. It's made me and my business millions of pounds over the years. And if it's not something you do, you need to start doing it. You really do. But paramount to that, before you start diving into it, make sure that your attitude is right. And that really is a big thing. Understanding not to get defeated when you get told no. Uh, that you know, and like Art said, have a have a main objective, but then have a backup plan so that every single call has a positive outcome. Uh, and then a big part to help with that there is really you know why you're doing it. So if you've got a family, if you're growing your company, if you've got payroll to meet, if you've got big goals to share with the world. Make sure that your why is clear in the front of your mind and it's in front of your eyes if you really need it to be as well 
so that you remember why you're doing this because it's not always easy and to stay mentally um, focused and, and sort of uh, upbeat on things is difficult to do it consistently so remember your why remind yourself of your self-talk um, it's easy enough just to say be positive but there's a little bit more to it and again I've always thought this why people kind of suck on the telephone and it really is because of their lack of preparation people do not prepare enough before they go on the phone they don't know how to respond properly to objections and before you start jumping on there now don't spend forever writing up scripts and objection handling and, and then spending forever doing it that you never actually get the first phone call made but you should have all of that nailed and, and practiced um, but get prepared Okay, get prepared, know the responses to these things, as I say, that's put very nicely. Sometimes they're not objections, they are merely sort of resistant reflex responses, as Art talks about, and how we just brush them off and continue on, the way that these men and women that you see when you're on holiday kind of ignore you when they're trying to sell you these sort of black market goods, you know, just that's the way you've got to treat it that way. Um, and uh, and get prepared. Know what you're going to say when you get a real objection. Know what your outcome is. Know what your objectives are. Know what your goals should be. So we will do more talking about using the telephone to grow our businesses. Because just pure, think about it. There's only so many networking events you can physically go to. But you could make hundreds of phone calls a day if, if you really had the right attitude. Some of the best people in business in the sales world, Coach Michael Burt, who's been on a previous episode there, every single day for two hours, well, sorry, let me rephrase that, five or six days out of the seven, um, he is uh, he's prospecting every single day for two hours. So and these are successful business owners that are doing millions of pounds a year. So be prepared. Look at prospecting as an essential part of your business. Look at the telephone as something that if you master it could be, you know, a, an absolute gateway to making more money and building a more uh, and bigger company. Um, and motivation-wise and self-talk and being disciplined in, on your why, uh, that's going to help you pull through when times are a little bit tough, so treat that seriously as well. Uh, but apart from that, I am so pleased to be able to bring this to you again. I hope you enjoyed it. Please go on and leave a review, comments, whatever. Reach out to us at scott at scottyour.co.uk. But thank you once again. This was Weekly Business Talk with Art Sobchak. I am Scott Yurt. Thank you. <laughs>